Well, welcome to Harvest. We're so glad that you're here. And we did a series back in January that was based on what we felt was a prophetic word for our church. And it was simply this, on track, on track. It was an encouragement. Uh, I think the Lord was telling us that we're on the right track, right? And as opposed to, you ever seen, you know, the cartoon and the villain, he's got, the, he's got you tied up and you're laying on the tracks and the train's coming. That's not what the Lord meant. You're on the tracks. No, you're on track. Uh, back in 1999, the Lord prophetically spoke that to me as my family and I were getting ready to move to a third world country and do missions work. And the Lord said, on track, like a locomotive, full speed ahead. And it just blessed us and encouraged us because sometimes when you're stepping out by faith, you want to you know that you're heading in the right direction, right? And so as a church, we're heading in the right direction. And one thing, though, that I feel is an um, encouragement from the Lord is, is, is you know what happens when a train runs out of track, right? Bad stuff. <laughs> Bad stuff happens. And I think you call it de- getting derailed. So how do we make sure that our train, our locomotive, has plenty of track to run on I think we lay track in prayer or when we pray we're laying out more track for us to continue on our journey and a lot of times people's lives come to a screeching halt because they've come to the end of the line and they need more track laid and and so you we pray it out so that we can walk it out and that way we don't have to work it out in our own strength I mean there's nothing worse than feeling like You've heard from the Lord or you know God's will and then trying to work out God's will in your own strength. We see scriptural examples where that turned into Ishmael's and things like that, which that's another sermon for another day. But the the joy of the Lord is our strength. And Ephesians tells us to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, right? And Psalm 27 says that the Lord is the strength of, of my life of whom shall I be afraid so how do we tap into this supernatural strength to do what God's called us to do and be who he's called us to be I believe it's through and in prayer we are a pray first church meaning that everything we do we start off with prayer we start off services we start off rehearsals we start off small groups staff meetings everything we do we pray because it's not the least we can well at least we can do is pray no it's actually the most we can do we're a pray first. We're, uh, we, we, uh, uh, we trust God first, not our own ability, not our own strength, but we pray and ask God to help and get involved. So we have a pray first culture at Harvest Church. And so at the beginning of every year, we take 21 days and we set it aside for prayer and fasting and, uh, because we believe in the principle of the first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you, be taken care of. We put God first in our money. We give God the first of our increase. It's called the tithe. And it's not because it's a percentage. It's because it's first. We give God the first of our time, the first of our year, the first of our life. And so when God's not first, how many know things don't go as well as they could or should? Anybody have any personal experience with that? We've all put God on a back burner and... Hopefully, sooner or later, we were like, hey, you know what? I need to make some adjustments, right? And so when you put God first, things. so here's the principle. What you put first determines what happens to the rest. Here's the positive of that principle is when we put 
God first, the rest is blessed. If you put God first in your family, the rest of your family is blessed. If you put God first in your money, the rest of your money is blessed. If you put God first in your time, the rest of your time or your life is blessed. And so what we want to do here in the fall, you know, we put God first in January because it's the first of the year. We've prayed for 21 days and and we've prayed since then, but, but here in the fall, it's harvest season, right? And we want to put God first and remind ourselves that he is first. And so we're going to set up 21 days of prayer here in August, August 5th through the 25th. And we're going to pray. And we're going to keep praying that good things are happening, that we're on track, that our local outreaches are fruitful, that people that we continue to have an invite culture where we invite friends and family who may, might be far from God to come and, and they can have a God encounter here at Harvest Church, that uh, our small groups continue to flourish, um, that, uh, that our missionaries continue to have an impact where they live and that we are con- we're continually able to support them financially and prayerfully. We're going to be praying for our missionaries. So we're going to have 21 days of prayer. January is 21 days of prayer and fasting. August is 21 days of prayer and feasting. So we're not fasting anything. We're just, we're just praying, right? So that's something to get excited about right there. But um, I want, to, want you to turn to a verse of Scripture today. We're going to talk about this a little bit. I want to inspire you to participate in our 21 days of prayer coming up. And the verse I want you to look at first is in the book of James. And it talks about a prophet named Elijah. James chapter 5 and verse 17 and 18, it says that Elijah was a man with like passions like us. So it doesn't say that he was a prophet, though he was, but it points out that he was a person who prayed fervently. He prayed uh, um, earnestly, it says. And I think it accentuates his manhood, not his ministry, so that it would encourage you and I that when we pray, earnestly that God will answer our prayers as well. But it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Interesting prayer. Why would somebody pray that it would not rain for three and a half years? Let me give you a little background. Uh, David, the king, was a man after God's own heart. And what made him a man after God's own heart is that he put God first in everything that he did. When he would go into battle, he, you know, he would send the praisers out first. When he, uh, he had a temple that was 24-7 worship and prayer unto God, he would take the Ark of the Covenant and, and put it out front and put God first. Everything that he did, he sought God and put God first. And because of that, God was like, I like that boy. He puts me first. Because one thing about God that we see in Scripture is that God likes to be first. He doesn't want to be the silver medalist. Man, he don't even want to ride shotgun. He wants to drive. You know what I'm saying? He wants to be first. You ever seen those bumper stickers? God is my co-pilot. I don't know if God likes those stickers or not. I think he wants to be the pilot. Right? And so he wants to be first. And, And the reason he wants to be first is because God knows that when he is first, things just go really good for others. But when he's not first, things go awry. And there was a king that came after David named Jeroboam who he committed a unique sin. And the sin wasn't that, you know, he committed mass murder or anything like that. His sin was that he put God from first 
into the back. From the front to the back. From first to third, fourth, fifth, somewhere back there. And when he moved God to the back, things began to go differently for Israel. When you, anytime God's not first place in your life, uh, things will go different for you. And so, each king that came along after this king who put God in the back, they continued to keep God in the back. And eventually a king came along who was so bad that God said, you know what, enough's enough, that's it. We're going to declare a drought. And that king was Ahab, and you might know him really for his infamous wife. Her name was Jezebel. So Ahab and Jezebel, they were like the, uh, I was going to say the dynamic duo, but they were really like the demonic duo. They were bad news. And you had a, one was an enabler, and it was just awful. And I won't get into all that, but it got so bad that God, he, he, he raised up his prophet Elijah and inspired him to declare a drought. He's like, all right, you're not going to put God first. We're going to let things dry up. So when God's not first, dryness comes in our life. And what I want to invite you to do today is maybe something a little unique, a little different. And I want to invite you to declare a drought on some things in your life. Some things in our city. You might think, wait a minute, I thought we were, you've been teaching us to speak positive things, to declare favor and wisdom and prosperity and abundance. And yes, we should continue to do that. But there's some other things that we should speak to and they dry up. Jesus also cursed the fig tree and it withered from the root. There's some things that we, we speak life and abundance to and other things that we declare a drought over in our lives. So God said the standard has dropped too low. Evil has flourished. Worldliness, materialism. He goes, that's it. They've gotten out of control. I'm declaring a drought on those things. We see in Isaiah 50 that the people got crazy with idol worship. God declared a drought. We see in the book of Haggai where people began to neglect God's house. So God declares a drought. And so I want you to look and take an inventory of maybe some things in your life that are out of control. Where God's not out in front where he should be. And I want you to declare a drought over those things in your life. So maybe God used to be out in front in your home. And he's not now, declare a drought. Maybe God used to be out in front in your marriage, and he's not now. And things have gone haywire, declare a drought. Maybe things used to, you know, God used to be first place in your money, and now he's not. And you're having a financial crisis, declare a drought. It's time to put God back out front or put God back into first place in every area of our life if we're going to stay on track. You tracking with me? So let me just say it this way. It's time to declare a drought over unforgiveness in our life. It's time to declare a drought on negativity in our life. It's time to declare a drought on bitterness in our life. Or it's time to declare a drought on offense Everybody say this with me. Say, it's impossible to offend me. Wouldn't it be great if that was true? 
It'd be a much better life to live, wouldn't it? Some folks are so easily offended. They wear their little feelings on their sleeve, you know, and you just look at them wrong, they get upset. Or if you don't look at them, they get upset, right? And so let's be unoffendable. Let's declare a drought on offense, on bitterness. Just, you know, sing the song, let it go, let it go. Just let it go, let it go. Right? And so there's some things that need to dry up in my life. When I was a little boy, my dad had a saying, if you start, you know, start crying, <laughs> he'd say, dry it up, boy. Right? There's some things we need to dry up. We need to let God dry up in our life. How about confusion? Would you like to declare a drought on confusion? Would you like to declare a drought on, I don't know, uh, strife? Maybe there's a relationship that's important to you, but you just keep butting heads and you don't know why. I remember about uh, seven years into our marriage, Miss Adrian and I, we argued about everything. And, and we would argue about arguing. Why are you arguing? I'm not arguing with you. Yes, you are. No, I mean, we argued about everything. Everything was an argument, no matter what it was. And so, thank God, he delivered. we declared a drought on arguing and God helped us and, and we, we got through. If you can make it past seven years in marriage, then you can make it to 20 if you can make it to 20, past 20, you can make it fast. You can make it to 25. I don't know much more past that. I'll let you know. <laughs> My wife and I, we're going to renew our vows uh, next, next month. It's our 25-year wedding anniversary, and we're, gonna, uh, we're re-upping for 25 more. So, <laughs> so we, we, we jokingly say that we've been happily married for 23 years. <laughs> That's really not a joke. It's actually kind of true. But, you know, uh, I told that to my dad, and he kind of laughed. And he goes, uh, he said, he got real serious. He goes, that's really not too bad, son. <laughs> so, uh, you know, none of us are perfect, right? And uh, I will say that I will take 23 out of 25 happy years. That's pretty, pretty good. And, but we're believing that the next 25 is going to be 25 out of 25. We're getting better. We're getting better every year. And so, but sometimes you just got to stop the bus and declare a drought on some stuff. You say, mm-mm, we're not having no more of that in Jesus' name. And by the way, uh, this isn't in my notes, but uh, if you struggle with something, don't feed on that. If you struggle with negativity, stop hanging around with negative Ned or whiny Wendy or fill in the blank, you know, whoever. You, you, we love people, but not everybody deserves to have a relationship with you. Or oh, are you listening? All right? Or somebody, they're always planting that little seed of doubt. Yeah, they talk to you like, yeah, you know, Pastor Kevin, I don't know. He, he used to be on fire, but I don't know. Now. Or, or whoever, they're talking about somebody that ain't there. Guess what? If they'll talk about them to you. They'll talk about you to them. So you just protect your heart. Your, guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it flow the issues of life. Or if you have a, a, a problem with fear, don't watch The Walking Dead. Okay? I'm not you know, saying you should or shouldn't watch whatever shows. But if you, have a, if you have a problem with something, don't feed on it. Like I don't go get wings at Hooters. I don't. I, I heard they have really good wings. So one night, me and Miss Adrian, we called the food taxi guy, you know, and he brought us some wings from, from, uh, from Hooters. And I've concluded that the wings is not why people go to Hooters. 
I don't know why they go, but it ain't the wings, okay? <laughs> In other words, you ever heard this saying, don't let the fat lady guard the cookies at vacation Bible school? You ever heard that? <laughs> so, all right, I, I put it, I'll share a testimony from my own life. Uh, I don't buy ice cream. Every now and then I break down. But I don't buy ice cream because, moose tracks, because <laughs> if I have a gallon of moose tracks ice cream, Denali moose tracks, oh Lord, I'm gonna have to cast down vain imaginations now. If I have it in the freezer, I don't know how it does it, but it calls to me <laughs> from the freezer. I know it's there. And if one bowl's good, two is better. <laughs> I remember one, one night I was eating a bowl of Moose Tracks ice cream with a small shot of espresso on top with some Cool Whip, whipped cream, with some fresh baked cookies on the bottom. Oh yeah, it was a bowl of fat. So I was sitting there eating this ice cream, watching The Biggest Loser. That's, that's a true story. I'm such a hypocrite. This is a true story. And Gavin comes in, he goes, oh, I didn't know we had any moose tracks. And I said, we don't. <laughs> said, what do you mean? You got a bowl right there? I said, mm-hmm, there ain't none left. He goes, you ate a whole gallon of moose tracks and I didn't even know it was in the freezer and now it's gone? That's why I don't buy ice cream. It's not because, it's because I will eat all of it, all of it. I may or may not share it with you. I may not even tell you it's in there. Over there eating, they're like, you eat ice cream? <laughs> so, so whatever your moose tracks are, don't go down that aisle at the grocery store. Metaphorically speaking, I'll give you another metaphor or a testimony. When I was 15 years old, I got right with God, all right? I was born again at a young age, and then uh, I, I gave my, I rededicated my life to the Lord. I just got radically right with God when I was 15 years old. And I had this little girlfriend. She was cute, and I broke up with her uh, because she was my moose tracks. And I liked her, but I broke up with her. And I would drive home from school, and I would take the long way, and I'd go down her street. And I'd slow down in front of her house, and I'd look out the window. And one day the Holy Spirit said, what are you doing? And I said, ain't nothing. What are you doing on the street? I'm just driving home. This ain't the way home. I can get there from here. <laughs> Holy Spirit said, don't you ever drive down this street again. Okay, I'll try. I remember, and I didn't, but I remember one time I pulled down that street and I stirred, I stopped. I was like, mm-hmm. Put it in reverse. And I was running around and I, was, and I never drove down that street again. But man, it took a while driving past that street to not turn. You know, anybody know what I'm talking about? So maybe your moose tracks is a relationship. And you need to declare a drought. It might not be easy. But it's better than shipwrecking your life. Because... You had a soul tie that you just thought you couldn't live without. And it ends up being destructive in your life. Moose tracks are good, but gone unchecked. 
be the one on The Biggest Loser <laughs> trying to make weight. Are you listening? You get the metaphor? So declare a drought on some things. That thing on the inside of you that's addicted to whatever, declare a drought. That thing that's not honoring to God, declare a drought. Tell any area of your life that's causing you to put God in the back to dry up. Romans 13 verse 14 says, make no provision for the flesh. That's what the Holy Spirit was trying to tell me. He's like, don't drive down that road because when you drive down that road, you're making provision for your flesh. Let me just tell you something about your flesh. Your flesh is a vehicle for you to drive through life in, but it is not your friend. I'll read a verse to you, Romans 7, 18, and this is in the Bible. Nothing good dwells in my flesh. Now, before you say amen, I want you to know it applies to your flesh too, okay? Nothing good dwells in your flesh. Your flesh does not want to serve God. Now, your spirit, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? It's weak. So what did Paul say he did with his flesh? He says, I keep my body under, I keep it under me. Who's me? That's your spirit man. So in other words, we live a spirit-dominated life, not a flesh-dominated life. Now, I get it. The outward man is perishing, but the inward man is renewed day by day. I mean, I understand. We, we, some things in the natural, we just can't stop. Gravity. Why did John Mayer write that song? Because gravity affects us all, Right? I mean, I was looking in the mirror a couple days ago, and I did a double take. I was like, what? What is that? And I looked, and I thought, there's something. I got a booger in my eyebrow, and, and, and it was a silver eyebrow. <laughs> I'm like, what? How did that get there? I mean, I understand it's starting to get a little bit on the sides here, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm accepting that. But eyebrow, I don't want no silver eyebrows. <laughs> Boing. That hurts, by the way. I'm hats off to all the ladies. Woo. That's painful. I came out of the bathroom going like this. My wife's like, you okay? I'm like, yeah. I had to pull an eyebrow. She was like, <laughs> big baby. Make no provision for the flesh. Romans 8, 7 says, my flesh is hostile toward God. Man, what do you do? You treat your flesh like it's a hostile. When I, when I was a youth pastor, I would tell the kids this. A teenager, I'd say, Never underestimate the power of a wild animal. Don't turn your back on a wild animal. Right? You're out in the wild. You come up on a, a bear or a coyote. Or even if you're just jogging through the neighborhood and the neighbor dog, you know, he wants to chase after you. You know, you don't know that dog. You don't turn your back on him. You don't pet piranha. Right? Hey, little nice fishy, nice fishy. <gasps> And then you nickname you Stubby after that, right? You don't pet piranha. You know, and people, by the way, they have pet snakes. I'm sorry. If you have a pet snake, God bless you, but you're weird, <laughs> right? Pet snake. You know, they got, a, they got this plague of, of uh, Burmese pythons in F Florida Everglades now because some idiot, uh, some person, sorry about that, um, decided to let his pet python go or his pet python escaped or whatever. You know, now they got... Or some pet store got blown open during a hurricane and all these exotic snakes got out. And the pythons are taking over. 
like the wildlife is decreased and the Everglades were like 80%. And they, they can't, it's, it's an apex predator. You don't turn your back on an apex predator. You ever seen a snake? You ever seen them on, on documentaries, you know, they're, they're hunting. Oh, there he is in the bush, mate. He's slithering up through. Oh, the little deer can't see him coming. Bam! <laughs> he gets him, he wraps him up. <laughs> squeezes a little, you know, you feel, oh, Bambi. You're getting the life, you know, squeezed out of him. And then Python. <laughs> and that's your flesh. Don't you trust it. It'll bite you and squeeze the life out of you if you let your flesh be the boss of you. So declare a drought. If you need to declare a drought on something that you're feeding on in your soul, you declare a drought. That's what Isaiah 58 is about. It says God will satisfy your soul in drought. Because there's some things you need to dry up and cut off from your soul. If you're feeding on certain things, you need to put God first when we wake up in the morning. Our alarm goes off, a.k.a. the iPhone, which is the superior smartphone on the planet. But your phone goes off, and so you pick it up, you know, you turn it off, and you go, hey, I got three text messages. Who's thinking about me? You open it up, and then you go, oh, I got 15 more emails than I did last night when I went to sleep. I wonder what's going on. I wonder how many people like that thing I posted. And what do we do? We end up putting everybody else first. And then we get halfway through our day and we're like, oh, hey, hey, Jesus, what's up? So, so put God first, especially during this 21 days of prayer. But it's how we're supposed to live. And if you need to declare a drought on your idle phone, iPhone, then declare a drought. That was a prophetic word for somebody that just came out. Put it aside. You know, I mean, how, how, how is it any different? You know, I got my iPad up here. I got my iPhone up here, you know. We, we set them up. We, we, we juice them up at night. We charge them, you know. And we, we bow down. And, you know, we, we, we let them run our life because we, we put them first. The almighty smart device. And thank God for technology. I'm not a technology basher. I, as you can say, I love technology and big screen. I was shopping for an 84-inch flat screen TV just the other day. They're awesome. So I'm not against technology. I think we should use technology to declare our theology. And we should just use it to enjoy. But we don't, we don't let it run our life. And so if you need to declare a drought on some things, declare a drought on some things. Because if you don't, it will devour you. Hey Amen, pastor. It's good preaching. I bring that guy with me everywhere I go. So Elijah in the natural, it did not rain for three and a half years. And, but God led Elijah during the drought to a brook of abundance. Remember that story? We won't get all into it, but God took him to an abundant place during the drought. So when you declare a drought, there's some abundance, some hidden resources for your soul that God wants to release to you, but, but you're too, we're too busy focused on everything else to know where, where it is. So when we declare a drought on some things, it forces us to go to the thing that we can't live without, the life-sustaining thing. Remember, there's an old song, As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. Remember that song? 
You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship Thee. Great old song. Good stuff. You alone are my heart's desire. I don't remember the words now, but. My strength, my shield, to you alone may my spirit yield. There's a little weird, weird chord right there. <laughs> you alone are my heart's desire and my long to worship thee. Good thing the worship team's over there. <laughs> but what is your, sometimes we're, we're so overfed with certain things that we forget that we're hungry for something else. So when you starve yourself on one thing, when you, got, when you got nothing else to read but your Bible, you start reading, you go, hey, it's pretty good. So declare a drought. There's a brook of abundance. God will lead you to a place of refreshing. And speaking of refreshing, that's what it says in Acts 3.19. It says, times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. Get in his presence. And this Wednesday night, by the way, is our monthly night of worship. And we're going to have a time of refreshing. And one of our missionaries from India, Mike and Jyoti Van Buskirk, are going to be here. And they are just ready to dump out and bless you and minister to you and tell you what you're doing in India through your support of their ministry. So don't miss this Wednesday night at 630. It's our, our night of worship. We call it the now, night of worship. So you will, it's for you. It's a time of refreshing. So come drink of this brook. Of refreshing. And let me just say that prophetically, that I believe as we declare a drought on some things, God is going to send the monsoon spiritually to our church, to your family, to your finances, to your life, to your own soul, to your own heart. And let me just declare a monsoon of miracles. Some things you've been believing God for are going to start coming to pass. Back in January, I told you, when we get on the train this year, on track, by the time July, August, September gets here, I want you to be able to look out the window of the harvest train as we travel through life together. And I want you to go, oh, hey, hey, there goes an answer to that thing I prayed back in January. There goes another answer to the thing I prayed back in the beginning of the year. And so we're having 21 days of prayer again because I want to remind might stir you up by way of remembrance to keep believing and praying because just because it hadn't happened yet doesn't mean that God hadn't been working. He is working on our behalf, on your behalf. And I'm a Twitter person. I I like Twitter. And so I tweeted something the other day and you ever just said, had a thought and just amused yourself. And so I tweeted something the other day. I thought, I don't know if anybody else thinks this is good, but I like it. And so of the millions of people that follow me on Twitter, I I tweeted this. (laughs) And it was simply, one reason people don't get their prayers answered is because they don't pray. (laughs) Your odds of getting your prayer answered goes up drastically when you pray. So start your day with prayer. Even if it's 60 seconds of prayer and 60 seconds of reading God's word, start your day that way. Put God first. He wants to be First, put God back out front in your life. Isaiah 58, 11, God will satisfy your soul in drought. His waters will not fail. This is the fast that God prescribes. The food fast, I mean, we fasted food back in January and that's great, but the real fast is a fast of justice. And my prayer is that, you know, when things are dry, fires have a tendency of starting. And my prayer is that a fire will start in your family in our church, in your life, 
a fire. Then in our church, there will be a fire for evangelism that burns so bright that, that we just can't help but inviting people to church who, who need Jesus. And, you know, I, I believe that God is doing something in our city. We've been, it's been prophesied that a great move of God is going to come in and through and out of Mobile, Alabama. And I believe our church is a part of that. And a lot of times we, I don't know, we expect for what God said he's going to do to look a certain way. And it looks all these different ways than we expected. And there's, God's doing a lot of cool stuff. Um, you know, there, there's a church out of Birmingham that has campuses all over the state of Alabama. You, you, you know, like them or not, God's using them. Um, there's, you know, Church of His Presence across the bay. They might be a different flavor, but God's using them. You know, you got Wings of Life downtown, Drug and Rehab Center. God's using them. I was just this past week at uh, a gathering of 1,500 people in our city uh, for, for this, you know, Strength to Divide, uh, Racial Reconciliation, which... Uh, I understand there's, there's an issue there, but it's kind of funny to me because it, it's, uh, there's only one race. <laughs> I understand there's an issue, but the enemy wants us to think that there's a lot of different races, but there's just one. It's the human race. We all believe the same. Jesus died for, the same Jesus died for us all. There's not a black Jesus or a white Jesus. There's actually a Jewish Jesus, and he died for us all, for all of us, Right? So, and, but this is a move of God. This is a move of God. Amen. And maybe it doesn't look like we thought it was going to look, but hey, my only prayer is, God, however you're moving, just don't leave me out. I want to be involved in it. Because there's also sort of good thing. And our church has a part to play, and we're going to play our part. Whatever that might be, we're going to play our part. And our, our part is to, to win souls in our city, to see people step out of bondage into freedom, and our soul is to be a blessing to the nations of the earth by supporting missionaries and taking mission trips and that sort of thing, among many other things, of course. But God will satisfy our soul in drought. John the Baptist, he ate nothing but locust and wild honey. He, when he came out of his dry place... God said, I'm going to make you a voice crying in the wilderness. My belief in prayer is that God will make our church a voice crying out in our city that people cannot ignore. God will make our church a voice crying out on the Gulf Coast. In Luke 4, Jesus himself was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And in that wilderness, wildernesses are dry places, a desert. And Jesus fasted and prayed for 40 days. And when he came out of the wilderness, the Bible says he came out in the power of the Spirit. My prayer is that when we come out of this 21 days of prayer in August, that we'll come out in the power of the Spirit. When Jesus came out of the wilderness, his miracle ministry began. I believe that God has a miracle ministry for our church. God has a miracle ministry for the members of our church. God wants to use you. Not just to give you miracles, but for miracles to flow through you to other people who need them. Can I get an amen right there from the saints of God? So, we are declaring a drought. Let's decide that we're not going to have another year like the last one. We're going to have a better one, a, fruit, a more fruitful one. Blind Bartimaeus, he decided one day he was going to cry out to God. And he cried out and everybody kept going, but he kept crying. And finally, Jesus turned aside and said, what do you want? You know, are there certain things that you should be seeing that you're currently blind to? Like blind Bartimaeus. 
the only way to change that is to cry out. And that's what we're going to do August 5th through the 25th is we're just going to take some time to cry out. We've got some scheduled prayer meetings. We're going to put them up on the screen for you. I want to invite you to come corporately and pray with us. We're going to pray in this room on uh, Monday nights and Saturday mornings. We're going to pray in the family venue on Wednesday nights because they have worship practice in here. But we're, we're, gonna, we're just going to cry out like blind Bartimaeus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. There's some things I should be seeing, but I'm not seeing. Have you ever felt that way? Ever, ever, ever felt, you know, like um, God was, was mad at you or something because you weren't seeing what you're supposed to be seeing? Well, he's not mad at you. You just got to cry out. And if you cry out, he will turn aside. And he will fix your eyes. He will fix your experience. Don't change your faith because of your experience. Let your, let your faith change your experience. Don't let your experience change your faith. Right? Just because you aren't seeing something in your experience, don't quit believing. Keep believing and let your believing change your experience. So we're calling a drought on worldliness. We're calling a drought on addiction. We're calling a drought on social media if we need to. We're calling a drought on materialism. We're calling a drought on sin. We're calling a drought on apathy and laziness. And let this be a, a more than before harvest season. What we're believing for this fall is that hundreds of people will be born again in our city. We want to, in, in churches everywhere. You know, if everybody decided to come to church in Mobile, there wouldn't be enough room in all the churches to contain them. We're believing for hundreds and thousands of people to be born again this harvest season, this fall in our city. That's what we're praying for. So, join us for the 21 days of prayer. And if you're one of those people that need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I wouldn't wait another day if I was you. Say, well, I might, I'll do it next Sunday. You might not be here next Sunday. You might have already checked out of this world and gone to the next. You're not, you know why? Because you're not promised tomorrow. You better get your business right with God today. So you're trying to scare me? Man, I'll scare the hell out of you, pray it out of you, whatever we got to do. Because Jesus is coming and hell is hot and you don't want to go there. If it wasn't a reality, if being separated from God wasn't a reality, we wouldn't be so passionate about this gospel that we preach. And so we want to invite you. We want to challenge you. We want to, you know, persuade you. Do whatever we can to convince you that you being the Lord of your life is not working out. You got to put Jesus first. Let him be the Lord of your life. So speaking of prayer, can we pray together right now? Would you bow your head with me, please, today? And my prayer is that right now, the Holy Spirit would draw people to Jesus that don't know him. Or maybe people who prayed some religious prayer and they went to Sunday school, but they never made Jesus the Lord of their life. That the Holy Spirit would convict them right now and by his goodness lead people to repentance, to change their mind and decide that they need to give control of their life to Christ and follow him instead of trying to figure it out on their own. So whether you're here today in our sanctuary, in our family venue, or watching us on Facebook Live or from our website, wherever you may be joining us from today, if Jesus is not first place in your life, you need to take care of that right now. 
And I want to pray the prayer of salvation. And if you need to make Jesus first place, I want you to join me. And before we do that, I want you to know I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you stand up or not going to shine a light on you or anything like that. But while you have your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you, are, if you need to pray this prayer of salvation and make Jesus the Lord of your life, I want you to unashamedly right now and boldly raise your hand and say, hey, that's me, Pastor. Include me in that prayer. I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. All right, I see your hand. God bless you. One, two, three. I got you, four, five, good. Anybody else? Six, God bless you, excellent. If you raised your hand or should have raised your hand, join us right now as we pray this prayer of salvation together. We're all gonna say it together so you don't feel isolated or alone because I want you to know something. From this moment forward, you are not alone. You've got a family if you want it. You're not joining a religion or even a church or you're joining a family. Let's all say it together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, please forgive me of my sin. You sent Jesus to die in my place on the cross for my sin. They buried him. But on the third day, you raised him from the dead. And so I say, Jesus, you are my Lord. From this day forward, I am yours. You are mine. Fill me with your spirit. Give me power to live this new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you give those six folk a big hand, raise their hand and pray that prayer. God bless you. Welcome home. Welcome to the family of God. And you just took a huge step, and I commend you for that.